Welcome to episode 214 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode of the podcast, we discuss the NRL Finals Eve, Latrell Mitchell, the Eels Revival, and much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 214 of the Rugby League Republic podcast. We aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I am your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, we are one week away from a second COVID-affected NRL finals season. (laughs) What, What are your thoughts? How are you doing? Are you pumped up? I, I am pumped up, uh, ready to go, Dr. T, and so so excited because, uh, you know, the Tigers have had an awful season this year, but I think, uh, I think I'm going to just put the house on them becoming premiers next year after some big news I heard this week. Oh, well, you know, look, shall we, <laughs> I was going to say, do you want to, do you want to talk, Let, let's leave it for the, the news section. Let's leave that for the news, Let, yeah, but I'm, because... I'm doing, I'm doing okay, <laughs> I know, I know, look, I mean, I think, uh, you know, what's that stage, uh, you know, the, uh, the cuckoo nest type thing where you're sort of, you're in lockdown and you get to that stage where you're, like, for some reason, you're overly happy and excited. And uh, I think I've gone to that phase, you know, that crazy phase type thing, you know. Um, you know, I've, uh, I've been trying to figure out what I could, uh, what sort of art I could make using my fingernail clippings. Um, that's that's where I'm up to there, Doctor. How that's, about you? That's awful. Sounds like you sounds like you're struggling. Uh, look, uh, it's look. Are, are you talking about the twelve step program? Is that what you're talking? About? Are we at denial yet? I'm not really sure. <laughs> yeah. Or, or maybe we just gone past it. I'm not sure. Look, it's uh, it, it's it's one thing to have gone through 2020, and yep. and and this year it almost feels like it's worse. Wow. <laughs> in terms of in terms of lockdown, at least in Sydney, Australia. You know, last year we did have a lockdown, but it was only for I think six weeks or so, <laughs> and mm. then and then the kids started going back to school, that kind of stuff. So it's not really the same this year, and and it looks like it's getting worse. The numbers are getting worse in terms of yeah. COVID cases. But look, in keeping with the the new messaging from the government about getting vaccinated, let me just say that as I said earlier, this is the second uh, COVID affected season of the NRL. So I guess you could say we've had a our second our double dose mm. of, of COVID, haven't we? I mean, we're we're sick. hopefully there's no more. Hopefully we don't need a booster of COVID from now on. That we can just get on with uh, 2022 can be the year that we uh, wipe the slate clean and have a a new world, the new world of uh, the new NRL with uh, you know where we put COVID behind us because uh, it's. Yeah, look, it's uh, it's getting a bit much, and it's certainly sending uh, some of the uh, the fans crazy, and it's sending look, it's sending some of the players crazy. There have been some crazy things happening uh, in the last couple of weeks in the NRL, but um, but yeah, anything else you wanted to add before we jump into it? Well, you know, I'm thinking 2020, 2020 and 2021. Compare the two years, right? Like just from a rugby league point of view, you know, in 2020 PVL was the savior. <laughs> like the most loved man 
ever in rugby league, right? Oh, he was, he saved us. He, he saved, saved us. us. He saved us. He was world 20, leading. Twenty twenty one. I mean, it is, it is, it is, it is like uh, Donald Trump twenty twenty one. Sometimes, well, maybe not that far. <laughs> no, but, maybe not. But, Look, but it's ben, a little yeah, different as, for PBL, isn't it? Like, you know, it is, uh, as Benny Elias would say, how the turns have tabled. Um, <laughs> but look, uh, look, yeah, I, I gotta say, I gotta agree with you. It's what's that quote from? Uh, that's a great quote from. Is it the Dark Knight, the movie? Something about you know, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become a villain. Yeah. I wonder if, I wonder if PVL wow. is watching. Dark Knight. That, that is profound. That's also awesome. Cry, crying into the into his uh, bowl of ice cream, uh, thinking, "I had it all, man. Twenty twenty, <laughs> I had I had the the palm of uh, the the rugby league world in the palm of my hand, mm-hmm. and then I decided to go six again, <laughs> and then it just ruined. Anyway, so like, yeah, look, we've uh, we've often talked about PVL, and look, when all is said in said and done, I think this year has been I would say perhaps more challenging than than last year in terms of how the NRL has had to it, it's almost like a game of uh, a game of survivor this year in terms of the NRL's you know the trying to trying to get a step ahead of all the lockdowns moving everyone into state to Queensland you know all you know the the New Zealanders living in Australia it's just it's just so crazy the lengths that all the players and everyone has gone to to make sure that the season keeps running. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so absolutely crazy. But that has led to, uh, you know, we've, we've, uh, there's a lot of news that we need to cover. <laughs> there's a lot of things that have happened. There's a lot of things to talk about. So shall we just dive into it? Let's get straight into it. All right. Tackle number one is the news update. All right. So, look, one of the things that we've we've noticed is uh, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of careers that have been drawn to a close in the last couple of years, and in particular this year, uh, we've had some some big ones that have decided to call time on their career. So, we have heard the latest is Josh Morris, who is the fourth rooster this year to call time on his career, which means that it's going to you know, absolutely dramatically change the makeup of this rooster side in 2022. Tish, uh, do you want to do a bit of a, a bio on, uh, or, or, you know, a bit of a summary on, on Josh Morrison? We'll have a chat about how, uh, what an impact he's had on the game. Yeah. Well, with, with, uh, with Josh, uh, Morris, um, you know, um, I'm just looking up his Wikipedia. It just says, see Brett Morris. Click here. So <laughs> that is essentially... Don't get us confused. <laughs> to get it. But look, um, I'm, I look uh, in terms of uh, in terms of the number of games that he's had, I mean, uh, you know, he's been he's been a great player for New South Wales, great player for um, for uh, Australia as well, uh, as well as the Bulldogs, the Dragons, and, uh, and now finishing up the Roosters. Um, 322 games. Um, he's always been... Um, I suppose in the top, you could say in the top, what the top five, top top eight, <laughs> oh top eight, that's probably, but top five of of, of NRL, um, 
you know, centers and because uh, I think he's predominantly been a center. Um, yeah, Josh yeah, Morris. Yeah, um, yeah. Unlike his one of the, he's kind of been more of a winger slash fullback. Um, but he's been great, and he's been a great stalwart for the Roosters. And the Roosters, this is their fourth retirement this year. Um, so Josh Morris, Brett Morris, Boyd Corner, and Jake Friend. Um, yeah, look, high profile senior Roosters players uh, call calling into their career. So it's it's been a it's been a bit of a, a changing of the guard at the Roosters. Um, you know, I worked this out. It is probably in the vicinity of $2.4 million in the salary cap that has retired this year for the Roosters. So, um, you know, expect some big signings from the Roosters towards the end of the season. Uh, and uh, and I just realized who's also coming off contract for Newcastle, right? Um <laughs> Well, you know, yeah, let's talk about that in a minute. But look, do you think they're in the market for Cristiano Ronaldo or is it too late? <laughs> so, no, no, look, no, let's, yeah, yeah. are they going to call themselves Sydney Sydney United or something? Yeah. Uh, look, so so do you have a favourite Josh Morris moment? Uh, moment? Uh, look, uh, <laughs> that's a t- <laughs> you're putting me on the spot there. He's Look, that's a, the thing about, about the Morris... <laughs> Twins is that is that that sometimes just when you think about one, it's actually the other one you're thinking of. But no, no, no. Mm. look, look, I think, um, yeah, look, that's a tough one. Do you have a favorite Josh Morris moment? Because I think, look, in in all, in all, with all due respect, I think the the thing about the Morris brothers, both of them, but in particular Josh, I guess, is that they're just they've always just been the stable. Kind of, it's like asking mm. me, um, you know, what's your favorite? Um, uh, I'm trying to think of the player. What's your favorite Dane Gagai moment? Mm. <laughs> it's like, unless you're a, an, uh, you know, a Queenslander and, and kind of hang off all the, you know, the intercept tries and all these things, it's there's some players that just they're not yeah. built for a highlights reel, yeah. they're built, they're built for just good, solid. Scoring uh, defense. And defense, and, and yeah. the, look, the the key thing to me is his defense. I mean, I think one of the things about the both Morris twins, but especially Josh, is that in the centers, you could almost guarantee that he's not the type of player that runs out of the line. He's not the type of player that uh, you know, like, like a, um, you know, what am I trying to say? You you don't really think or or highlight or or um you know, think about his failings in defense because he's just been so rock solid. Then again, yeah. he's also not the kind of player, he doesn't put on the big hits either. So you don't get the highlight reel of, mm. you know, oh, I remember when he smashed that player. He just does a good enough job that it's a solid defense. And and what I do remember, what I do know is that, especially in origin level, I mean, if you're looking for someone to have that kind of, scrambling defense to kind of stop the Queenslanders getting over the try line. You'd look to Josh Morris on one side or Brett Morris on the wing on the other side, or at times when they played centers together, you know, um, on the same side as well, that you could rely on them. They're reliable players. And, uh, and the fact that they made it at both of them to the highest level in, in terms of uh, playing for Australia, uh, the world champions, uh, and they did it sort of, uh, and they're retiring at the same time. There's something to be said about, you know, the fact that they're retiring at the same in the same year, even though obviously uh, in the case of um, 
Uh, Brett Morris, it was, it was a greater injury than what Josh Morris has had with a hamstring injury recently. Um, however, having said that, he is getting ready to return in the finals. So he's not over, he's, his career is not over just yet. He will have one last crack at it. I don't know whether the Roosters will uh, uh, have enough going for them uh, in terms of uh, players uh, players on on in form to, to be able to push for a premiership. I don't know if they're contenders at the moment, but I think it would be fitting for Josh Morris to see the Roosters out uh, as deep in the finals as they can go. Potentially even just to make a grand final would be considered a, a huge achievement, even if they weren't to win it. So... Um, yeah, let's hope all the best for Josh because I think uh, he often gets overshadowed by his brother. Um, certainly this year with the injury that Brett has, the terrible injury that he had, um, you know, it's it sort of uh, it it puts a dampener on uh, on Josh uh, in terms of his own individual kind of uh, uh, yeah, his the attention that's brought on him. So. Um, yeah, I mean yeah. that's my view. I think he's just super reliable, and and I think uh, it's a shame to see these sort of, sort of players uh, leave us, unfortunately. But um, time does move on, and I think we can all sort of look back on a pretty solid career. Did he? He won a few premierships as well, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember if he was there when they won in. Was he there when they won in 2010? Or maybe I'm thinking. Maybe I'm thinking Brett knows. <laughs> Let me just have a look at Wikipedia to see. That, yeah, he, he would have been the Bulldogs in 2010. Ah, uh, like. yes, my mistake. Yeah. So yeah. So and then um, I don't think he won anything at the Bulldogs or at the Sharks, as well. Unfortunately. Right. Um, okay. So he actually has not won a premiership. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So um. Oh, there you yeah. go. There you, there you go. go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, but um, maybe to, this year is his year. Yep. <laughs> But look, what, what I will say, right? If you if you um, if you go through the stats, like this year, his tackle efficiency is ninety one percent, right? Um, so uh, you know, missed tackles only twenty one for the season uh, against two 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 hundred twenty four, right? Now you'll take um, any other of the centers that are in the top eight. Think of a you know a player that will um, you know produce those magic moments, but they'll all have a lower tackling percentage than what. Um, Josh Morris is that so I think that's what you're talking about when it comes to defense right he's not going to do the big hit um, he's not going to do the intercept um, uh, I know Brad Phillip was talking about it on the Sunday football when there's an opportunity to take an intercept and then you know Phil was saying well, well you know he just missed a golden opportunity think about it you're, you're intercept there's nobody in front of you and the camera you've got the whole camera to yourself you know you could work on your stride you become a superstar by making an intercept I don't think Josh Morris. I don't remember any incident. I don't think he had any moment like that. However, you don't. Uh, you don't also see him on the other side of things making a missed tackle that leaks in the the losing try, right? You don't see him do things like that. Yeah. So I, th- I think it, it could be said for for that type of player. And um, yeah, look, I think that, um, and obviously being that senior player for the Roosters, um, you know, it's a big it's a big loss in that way. I mean, I know they've got talent coming up, but they're losing. I mean, losing four players with, you know, what, over 250, uh, you know, probably 300 games a pop. So they're losing something like, you know, a thousand games experience just with these four players, right? So um, so that will be interesting next year on how they sort of make that gap. Um, and uh, and look, obviously, the, uh, the son of the great uh, Steve Slippery Morris, 
um, who I think played his entire uh, career for the Dragons. Um, so, yeah, so, so a good legacy. And, you know, um, not too sure about his kids and that type of thing, but um, who knows? Maybe this is – I don't think this is the last Morris we'll see in rugby league. No, that's right. I did, I did actually double-check both of them now. Side by side, Brett Morris did actually win two premierships once with the Dragons and then with the Roosters in 2019. So on both occasions, uh, you know, Josh Morris just missed out. You know, he missed out by a year or so uh, or a couple of years with St. George Illawarra. <laughs> oh, and my gosh. He left just before they, they had that run. <laughs> And then, and then he joined the Roosters the year after they won last year, which was, of course, our first COVID-affected year. <laughs> and so, unfortunately, but look, you know, regardless of that, the thing, look, the thing about let's let's talk about both of them because I think we, well, we, I guess we'll talk later this season when we actually talk about all, all the retiring class of 2021. But I think, look, they both, uh, as you said, uh, Steve Morris's uh, twin boys from Kiama in New South Wales, uh, you know, representing that region. Uh, they've just been such great, um, you know, representatives of the game, like great ambassadors, really. And I think talking about what's the future, you know, often we think about the future of certain players. Some of them become coaches. They're, they're, they're sort of built for coaching. They're tactical and analytical. Then there's others that are built for uh, kind of the – uh, the administration of the game, you know, those that are running clubs, whatever. Then there's those that are analysts on TV or commentators, things like that. But then you've got players like the Morris, uh, the Morris boys, and you look at it and you think, well, I wonder if we should actually take advantage of the fact that they've they're sort of impeccable quality gentlemen. You know, they got great, never involved or hardly ever involved in kind of scandals. Uh, what, what are we doing as the as as a rugby league community to take advantage of that? You've, we've had people like you know in the past players like El Masri, Hazem El Masri, and and they've been utilised to uh, sort of send messages and um, you know be ambassadors for for their particular community or uh, whether it's a migrant community or whatever. So I wonder if we could do the same thing for the Morris twins. I mean, think about. Uh, what what they could do, um, you know, to be promoted promoting the game in the future. So, um, yeah, I think that's uh, but more to come later this year. I think when we talk about the cl- the retiring class of twenty twenty one. But let's move on now because uh, sticking with the Roosters. Now the Roosters had a very interesting couple of days on the weekend. Uh, um, it all starts with uh, basically a. Uh, well, it's, it was a Latrell Mitchell hit on Joey Manu, mm. which uh, was uh, considered, you know, it was, I believe he was, he was sin binned and then he was put on report. Uh, well, he wasn't put on report, he was sin binned. And, and then he basically got suspended, I believe. Is he, has he been suspended yet or is, yeah, uh, I don't know yet. For six matches, so he'll actually miss the entire final series. There you go. And look, um, so sticking with the Roosters, though, uh, there was a bit of – well, obviously they were not too happy with what Latrell Mitchell did to Manu. Uh, we can talk about what he actually did in a minute. But in terms of the Roosters' reaction, uh, Coach Trent Robertson was fined $20,000 for his absolute shellacking of the match officials <laughs> after the match. 
Um, there was also a $10,000 fine for alleged abuse of officials during the match. And, uh, and, uh, and it's stated that a suspended $10,000 fine will also be activated should Robinson be found guilty. So all in all, a very costly game for Trent Robinson and the Roosters, $40,000 in total for breaches during that loss to the South Sydney uh, on Friday. And uh, basically, for those of you who don't know, Trent Robinson obviously was highly critical of officials for their failure to take action after Joey Manu was hit high by South Star Latrell Mitchell, which left Manu with a fractured cheekbone. If you saw it on TV, it was kind of disgusting. It looked like... um, you, you kind of think you know he's been made up by the the uh, the makeup crew from Rocky Four or something because it looked he looked terrible. Mm. Um, yeah, he blew yeah. up, his face blew up, and um, so we'll talk about in a minute the actual incident. But in terms of the um, uh, the quote, here's a quote from uh, well, is it from Robinson? It took Joey to stand up and stick up for himself with a depressed fracture of the cheekbone, and they still didn't want to do anything about it. So uh, NRL CEO Abdo pointed out that the NRL had been quick to acknowledge Mitchell should have been sent off on Friday night, and they stood down bunker official Henry Perinara from matches over the rest of the round. So, yeah, um, look, what do you think, Tish? Uh, you know, Trent Robinson, I think, look, the sentiment I saw online was almost unanimously people were in support of Trent Robinson uh, giving the match officials a spray, thinking that uh, Mitchell should have been sent off. I thought he was simbing, but perhaps he wasn't. Um, but yeah, uh, they thought he just should have been sent off. Um, what are your thoughts about Trent Robinson? Uh, I mean, look, sounds like people were supportive of him going off, but maybe this raises a, the bigger question about, um, you know, should, uh, you know, Coaches in many ways, are you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. If he mm-hmm. decided not to front up, he would have been fined $10,000 by the NRL for not fronting up to the media. He did not He did, he did front up uh, and he decided to actually let him have it, <laughs> probably risking knowing that he's going to be risking uh, a, a hefty fine, which he did get. Um, but, you know, we've talked about Ricky Stewart in the past, Tish, uh, you mm-hmm. know, being very coy and pc about what he is saying and not saying because he's saying you know i can't answer that question because you know i'm just going to get fined so it ends up being a really awkward and tense you know (laughs) press conference uh of which you get nothing out of the coach so yeah what do you think about the trent robinson uh situation here but also in general uh maybe i just want your views on you know what (laughs) should we just let coaches uh, have their, their say and be honest. Uh, you know, what's the point of finding them? What do you think? Okay. Well, in my opinion, the second half of what you are, are asking me, I think um, I think we do need to address that. I think at the end of the year, uh, I think we need to sit down and think about, about this whole situation, about, okay, press conferences, what are coaches supposed to say, what are they not supposed to say, um, you know, what, uh, is, uh, you know, like what would be okay by the media uh, fraternity as well um, to do it because, you know, you have to look at it from the other point of view. Like without these media uh, releases and press conferences and so forth, there is a lot of content that Fox Sports and Channel 9 and the newspapers and everybody who is actually funding rugby league, um, you know, they, they won't be able – you can't get rid of these conferences – um, you might be able to change the timing of them, but you, 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 um, 
you know, like uh, you, you need to do the media coverage, but we also need to hear from the coaches. But how do we do it in a way that, um, you know, they don't go out and, you know, completely uh, abuse the referees of, you know, these guys are in a tough position, right? There's It's a very fast game. There's cameras on them. The cameras are better at picking up incidences than the human eye, right? That's why we have CCTV, CCTV, CCTV footage uh, instead of um, just people's, you know, people's eyes uh, looking across everything all the time, right? So, yeah. um, so, so it is a tough position, and, and I think the the NRL needs to, to change the way they do this um, for that. Um, yeah, so that's that part. So I do think there needs to be changes. So I don't think I don't think Trent I don't think Eddie Coach should be fined that amount of money for for having a disagreement to the way they saw how the officiating went. Um, I think they should be able allowed to to be able to say something um, as long as it's not too over the top and and where you draw that line, they have to work that out. Um, but I kind of have an issue with a lot of people saying, "Oh, they should just let him talk," because the truth is. This is the second time he's done it this year, right? Um, and he wasn't fined the first year, the first time, by the way. Um, I think it was against Parramatta, and um, I, I think Ryan Madison was the player from Parramatta involved. I can't remember the Bruce's player that was hit. Um, it could have been Tedesco, to be honest with you. Um, and then they, he went on a tirade, and then you know the week after was Magic Round, and instead of finding Trent Robinson, what the NRL decided to do is to just punish everybody else. Um, by ruining a few rounds of rugby league by, you know, um, faint touches of the head were send-offs, right? <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. Like like an overcorrection to the max. And that was their way of of reacting to Trent Robertson. This time they've actually found him, which is good, because the truth is you find Ricky Stewart, um, you know, every week, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> like there are so many other plays like, you know, Trent Robinson, yes, he doesn't do these tri- uh, tri-raids all the time, um, but you got he's got to sa- uh, face the same uh, sort level of punishment as what the Des Haslers of the world, the Ricky Stewarts of the world. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of some of these other repeat. Uh, I think Trent Barrett's been in this situation as well a little bit. Um, you know, all, all these coaches who uh, you know um, don't have a a winning squad, don't have a club that is glamorous that everybody wants to go to, right? Um, you know, it has to not only deal with with the scrutiny of the media, but the scrutiny internally of all these, you know, uh, ongoing reviews um, about their performance. Uh, plus, uh, you know, you even had uh, I think Ricky, Paul Ricky, had to deal with uh, social media trolling of uh, with with like uh, wise partners this year as well, right? He was involved in everything, you know, like um, so. Yeah, so so uh, Trent Robinson. I mean, yeah, he's 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 an NRL coach. But I think if you compare that to, like, I can understand Ricky blowing all the time when you think about the two different scenarios these these two um, coaches are in. But but I think I think the fact that he did go out and say something, it's not part of the code, then I think he should be punished to what he got. So um, $20,000 is a hefty fine, but, you know, um, the way he should react is is, is simple. Um, quite honestly, though, when you actually watch a professional, I didn't think it was that bad, to be honest. I think what made it worse is just his uh, facial expressions, um, and I, I, th- I think it's more like uh, you know all these journalists that took photos of him ranting. I think they're the. I think that's the true crime. Like you know, his eyes are wide open, and it, it's just yeah. I'm like, can you take a more flattering photo of Trent? You know, like I think, 
I think he at least deserves that as being a top coach of the year, right? I don't think, uh, yeah, some of these, um, you know, um, you know, wide-eyed photos of him blowing up, um, have not put Trent in the best light. So yeah, no, that's right. Typical, yeah. I mean, it's ex- exploiting the uh, the 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 visual uh, to <laughs> to sell that narrative. But um, all right. So the the incident itself. Let's talk mm. very quickly about that. So that. Obviously, the incident has sparked, or one of the the, the issues was the way that, um, you know, well, let's let's talk about. It. He got a six match ban, as you said. Mm-hmm. He's going to miss the season, which is a devastating blow for South Sydney because I think with South Sydney with Latrell Mitchell on fire would have been considered, you know, almost equal favourites, uh, especially considering something else we're going to talk about, which is what the Melbourne Storm has been doing, <laughs> how they faltered last game. And uh, so I guess this kind of puts a dampener on South's aspirations. But the incident itself, um, so it was considered a dangerous tackle. Um, Now, when you look at it, I've looked at it several times, and I'm I'm, (laughs) I'm probably a controversial opinion here because I actually don't think I saw too much wrong with the tackle itself. It looked like he was actually trying to tackle him. Manu was going down. He was uh, dropping in the tackle. And he actually, if I'm not mistaken, I think he hit, uh, his cheek kind of hit uh, Latrell in the chest. Uh, or it, but, but the way well, it was going to be, but because of the way he was trying to put his arm out to tackle him, mm. I think he got maybe the inside of his shoulder potentially. I'm not sure. Um, did you look at the incident and what do you think about uh is it worthy of six-match ban? And the other thing that I wanted to mention is there's been a wave of anti-Latrell Mitchell yeah. kind of sentiment online. A lot of people saying, oh, he's just a typical grub and all this kind of stuff. And I think we did talk about that he is the kind of player, he's, he does he does have a bit of a grubby streak sometimes in games. We saw that at Origin as well, and I don't particularly like it because – if you want to, if you if you want to get people offside, you know, act the way he does, which puts people offside very easily, especially especially when you're a good player as as he is. And, and at the moment, he was well up until now, he was in form, I would say. So, um, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I, look, probably a controversial take in yeah. my view that uh, compared to what others are saying, but I, I'm trying to look at it as objectively as I can. And I thought I was just an unfortunate tackle for Joey Manu in terms of uh, how he got hit. I don't – it certainly wasn't a shoulder charge. He certainly looked like he went in trying to tackle him. Um, he went in very hard and very fast. And yeah. I think that's the problem is the, the the impact is what caused the problem. And the impact – I think he did hit him in the chest unless I'm mistaken. So I think it was just really unfortunate. It didn't look like – you know, we've certainly seen lots of shoulder charges that have been let go – because at the last minute, a shoulder charger, then when you stick your arm out to make it look like you tried to tackle, you can get away with. I don't think that was the case here. I think it was just an unfortunate incident. And look, you know, I'm probably going to be hanged and you know for that, but I think I'm sticking to it because unless I see otherwise in terms of the vision that I've seen. Um, but I like your thoughts on that. Do you do you think that I'm a bit, you know, I'm certainly not displaying any Mitchell favoritism here because I don't like anyone named Mitchell, whether it's Pierce or Latrell. No, okay, I better not say. No, no, um, it's that. No, it's not a Mitchell. It's not a New South Wales bias at all. It's not a South Sydney bias at all. I'm an Eels fan. 
but I do think in this case it seemed unfortunate uh, uh, in terms of Joey Marner, the way he kind of fell into it and also the impact, the speed at which Latrell Mitchell went in to finish that tackle is really what got him. Um, and that's just really unfortunate. I think he was just trying to put a big hit on and it just misfired. Um, but anyway, that's my view. What do you think on that? Okay, so look, I um, so it was it was uh, graded as a grade two reckless. Okay, um, so I think grade one is accidental, grade two is reckless, and grade three is like you know deliberate, intentional, intentional, something like that, right? So is it intentional? Um, no, I don't think you could call it intentional. Uh, is it accidental? I think you could kind of make an argument for that a little bit because I don't think he, if he doesn't have, well, to be honest, um, uh, the thing about accidental, right? Like, um, like I suppose reckless and accidental are the same thing. It's just that reckless, you, you know, you, you're probably doing something really, really silly, right? Uh, the fact probably because of the impact that he went in is probably why it got graded to a reckless and probably the injury that came out of it. Right. So for that point of view, and he was a little reckless. Like, I don't think, I don't think every tackle you, you don't need to affect every tackle like that, right? Um, and I think also a lot of the footage that people see out there, it's slowed down. With slowed down, I mean like um, sometimes like brushes. But sometimes when you're when a player is like slicking their hair back, it looks like they're punching themselves in the head, right? Um, you know, like like it is. You know, sl- I think slowing it down always makes it look worse. Um, but I, th- I, I yeah, so I think the reckless is there. Um, so I'm happy with the charge and. The truth is, Latrell Mitchell actually took the guilty plea early and accepted the six weeks. Okay, so he didn't go and fight it. He he wasn't very angry about it and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, mm. And I believe the I look Latrell Mitchell, um, yeah, he's a great player and everything like this. Um, and he had he he's got an issue with the West Tigers. I can say that. So you know, like there was a really heavy game, and I I was totally hating on uh, you know Latrell. Um, in this game though. In this incident, I kind of think that he he did his best for the whole situation. I know a lot of people probably won't agree with this, but um, if you watch the footage, he does go and try to apologize during the game straight after the incident. Okay, um, he go he, try, he goes and tries and do, does that. At the end of the game, the, the controversial thing is he did try and go into the Roosters' locker room to check on him. Um, Jared Warrior Hargraves and I believe Trent Robinson too were abusing him from the sidelines and telling him not to. Um, and, and, and sort of stopping that access. Um, I don't know the, t- the talks that he's trying to uh, get to his bedside and uh, trying to offer up apology that way that he's reached out to the family and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know about any of that, but I do believe that he, once he knew that it happened, um, because they were great friends at the Roosters, um, they, you know, I feel like he kind of, um, you know, I, I, I feel like they, 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 like they probably should accept his apology. Like I, I think he's trying to make mm. amends. Is what I'm trying to say. Like I think, I think that's what it, it's got to happen. And you got to, you know, sometimes you got to put yourself in Latrell's shoes here at the moment, right? He was a former rooster, um, and he was good friends with all these players, right? And the club did not want him, right? He found out that he wasn't getting paid as much as some of the other players. He didn't want to get paid more, right? Um, and he had a big money offer with other clubs, but he took a lesser offer to play at South City because he felt much appreciated. So, you know, you talked about the prodigal son a little earlier, and it maybe it's just jarring these things in my head, right? But 
You know, Latrell Mitchell is kind of, uh, you know, he's a son of the Roosters, if I can say that, you know, and uh, a former son, and now he's on the outer. And I just wonder sometimes maybe, you know, the unspoken things that sometimes get said in the locker room, maybe it's poor. Maybe this incident's brought out all these emotions because, uh, you know, you normally see in the NRL, like, I mean, you've seen players get taken to the hospital and then two minutes later, everybody's like, yeah, mate, yeah, sorry, mate, yeah, mate, you know, and everybody's good buddies again. I don't understand why for this situation that hasn't happened. So, um, look, obviously we don't, um, We're you know, everybody's really concerned about Joseph Manu's, um, you know, he, he is obviously the victim here. Uh, let's hope. Uh, you know the whatever injuries that he has, um, that he he gets healed as soon as possible from these things, and that you know there's nothing too major uh, effects of it. And and I just hope that the relationship between at least Joseph and Latrell, um, hoping that one can can actually be resolved. You know, um, and yeah. then yeah, and then yeah. So so that that's it. And the good news is, you know, his new club, the uh, Rabbitohs. They're getting behind Latrell as well. So, um, yeah, an ugly incident. And um, hopefully, uh, I kind of, I kind of bit over it. We've heard it for the last couple of days, right? Let's just yeah, hope that we right. can sort of, uh, you know, move on to better and better, uh, you know, other things, that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I just like, just two more points and then I'll finish this off. So, I think the, well, to the ugly side of it, the there has been, uh, we talked about, you know, online, there's just been lots of real hatred for Latrell Mitchell, which is ridiculous. There's unfortunately been reports that there's been death threats to him and his family, which is just just the sickening part of the online culture and, and the way people just get, you know, just ridiculous. But let's, I just want to finish this off by mm. looking at two, two kind of comments from the captains. Uh you know, of the team. So we've got uh, Adam Reynolds, who basically was, uh, you know, came out obviously in support of uh, Latrell Mitchell and said, look, you know, there's no way that um, that a player goes out to deliberately, um, you know, he says, we're all humans at the end of the day. Players make mistakes. Refs make mistakes. The bunker makes mistakes. No player goes out there to deliberately hurt someone. So he's just trying to say, let's just get on, with, move on with it, move mm. on with life. Um, and then James Tedesco, also uh, captain of the Roosters, also weighed in, saying that the tackle was an accident, but that Mitchell did need to rein in his aggression. He says, look, it happens pretty quick when you're at fullback, and I don't think Troll will do it on purpose, but it's forceful contact to the head. Whether it's accidental or not, it causes someone to break a fair amount of bones in his face. He just can't do that. His firing passion makes him a great player, but I guess it's finding that balance, not overstepping the line. You don't want to break people. You don't want to be breaking people's faces. So, look. At the end of the day, wow. those uh, two comments from the two captains to mm. basically say, and they were measured responses, not saying, you know, he did this or he did that. As I said, when I looked at it, it, it is, you know, reckless. Yes, you could say going that hard and fast when you're trying to tackle someone and and, and doing it in such a way that his, his upper body was leaning forward, which means it was obviously going to contact him first. Um, and, and it was unfortunate that Joey Manu's face was there. And, and so that's, you know, all the best to Joey because he's got, I believe, a few plates in his cheek that, that have been uh, put in there with surgery. And yeah. so he's going to have a bit of a recovery time there to get, get that up to speed because uh, it's not, not something that heals very quickly. Um, yeah. And so, you know, all the best to you, Joey, because I think uh, at the end of the day, I think uh, Latrell Mitchell, will, he's got what he deserved. 
in terms of the recklessness. I don't think it's as bad as what we've seen in other cases. I think it's, like I said, it's the unfortunateness of the situation. Uh, uh, if if Manu had it been literally 20 centimetres more, uh, you know, straighter in terms of uh, going into that tackle, we wouldn't have seen, he would have completely missed his face. And yeah. so we wouldn't be talking about it, it would be shoulder to shoulder. And so literally that's, it is a game of inches and, and centimetres and millimetres. And, and, and I think Tedesco's comments around, you know, it's about finding that balance and, and how you rein, you got to rein in your aggression because wow. it can lead to situations like this. And I think this is a lesson maybe yeah. for Latrell Mitchell. Uh, he's got to learn that lesson. He's going to see essentially he's missed a chance to potentially win a premiership with South Sydney Absolutely. because of his aggressiveness. And mm. um, yeah, so anyway, that's well, well, my. I've, I've got to say, yeah. look, you know, just reading out James Tedesco's comments right there. And look, Adam Reynolds' comments were fantastic too. But James Tedesco, what political persuasion do we have? Because that is an awesome statement. Like, I could see a career as Prime Minister of Australia there for James Tedesco, right? He pleased everybody on that. You can't hate him either side. That's right. He's very likable. Yeah. He's going to be, well, the Americans The Americans had Teddy Roosevelt. We've got Teddy Tedesco. Teddy Tedesco. Prime Minister, Prime Minister Teddy Tedesco. There you go. Look. Final uh, final news item before we move on to the rest of this podcast is a Mitchell-related rumour. So not Latrell Mitchell, but Tish, Mitchell Pierce is being chased by the Tigers. Is this a return of the prodigal son? I mean, there's been rumours that he's going to go to the Super League in, in England, but the Tigers, uh, f- just like a Benji Marshall flick pass out of nowhere, have come from the clouds and are going to pounce like a Tiger. Crouching Tiger mm. onto Mitchell Pierce, the hidden knight slash dragon. No, not dragon. But anyway, um, what do you think, Tigers? Mitchell Pierce, the return of Wayne Pierce's son to the Tigers. Well, he never really was there, was he? So yeah. Uh, <laughs> what do you think? What do you do? Are they are they a chance to get him? Do you want him there? Well, well okay. Do, do, would I okay from a uh, from a Tigers? Like having one of the sons of a, of what the greatest? I mean, uh, what was he the um the the something son? He was wasn't he the uh, the favorite son, right? Wayne Pierce was like the favorite son of of the West Tigers, or whatever it That's was. That's right. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, he had a, his first job was like you know cleaning cleaning at Leichhardt Oval and all that kind of stuff, and now his son is finally um you know travelled. The rest of the NRL and avoided the Tigers, and now suddenly wants to play for the Tigers. I mean, it would be a great story, right? Um, uh, but 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 it's also like, uh, in one hand, it's a bit frustrating, right? Like, why couldn't he join Tuna, right? That's that's what you think. Like, you kind of think that way too. Um, but look, I, I did mention it earlier. I just realised, you know, he's got a very strong connection with the Roosters, um, and and they have a lot of money just based on these retirements. Now, I know they've also got so many other players that they need to sign and, and they'll probably need to upgrade other people's contracts. And, you know, it's, it's a big it's a big money ball situation. Um, so I could certainly see the Roosters putting in an offer. But, you know, thinking about um, the Tigers, right, the Tigers um, have only signed two, like, players uh, next year. They're both Super League players, one being Jack- Jackson Hastings um, and Ol- Oliver Gidda- uh, Gildart, I think it is. So, um so the fact that they don't, uh, they, have, they don't really have any big signings. They've gone after everybody, right? And they've got nobody. That's that's the truth. So it's 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 come out. You know, um, I think they went for Tavita Pangai Junior, and and he said no. 
Um, I think they even went for, um, you know, they went for for, for Vaughn, <laughs> and he said no. So um, they've gone after everybody with big money, and 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 none of it's worked out for them. So um, they do know that. And and if you watch, if you look at the Young Tigers, um, you actually notice that one thing about the West Tigers is that uh, consistently their best players seem to be the younger players, not necessarily their experienced players. And um, and I think having a person like Mitchell Pierce who is consistent if anything, um, I think is great. Um, and, and obviously the other thing that happens with the West Tigers um, is that, uh, you know, Brad Fittler won't pick a West Tigers player for origin, neither will the Queensland. So, you know, pretty much going to the Tigers means that your state of origin career is pretty much over. Um, so that's the other that's the other aspect of it, which, which I think Mitchell Pierce has already resigned to that factor as well, right? I don't think he feels he's going to be back in, in the, um, you know, in the state of origin selection at all so so yeah so um yeah let's wait and see but yeah would love to have him uh do you think he'll look good in a west tigers outfit look i mean i i i guess so i mean i think all that matters is uh the performance right i mean if he comes mm-hmm. in and and plays a bit of a mentoring role for luke brooks maybe yeah that would be that would be the thing that i think that would matter the most i mean if you're looking at do you want someone like a Mitchell Pierce who his skill set and his capabilities are around, you know, look, look at what he's done recently and we'll see him in the finals very soon because they're, they're in the finals. Um, <clears throat> when it counts, uh, especially at club level, Mitchell Pierce often uh, sort of follows through and gets a job done. You know, different story, uh, the unfortunate situation with his origin career, but, uh, you know, just just look at what happened uh, this weekend. I mean, they needed a win to be secured of a spot in the finals, and who was the last try scorer? Mitchell Pierce. Um, and we're going to talk about that soon anyway, but I think, you know, it just sort of goes to show that, uh, you know, they um, he can be relied on to, to at least have a go at being a match winner. And it's the kind of thing that you know the Tigers really need is is and but also not just that he's also good at organising so, um, mm. you know he can bring certain skills to the Tigers that they don't have at the moment, and that's the way you got to look at things. Um, it just so happens that it's lucky that he's Wayne Pierce's son. It's fortunate because that that's another sentimental tie that maybe uh, you know maybe 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 Wayne can call his son and say you know do this for me you never played for the the tigers in in your life and your career so can you do it now mm. uh, who knows that's probably what's going to happen so um yeah um, but look I, in my view i think it would be good to see him there i think it would be look uh it'd be up there with uh with cristiano ronaldo going back to manchester united you know it's a bit of a homecoming or in this case for mitchell pierce having never played for the tigers it will be a uh, coming home to Wayne Pierce, so to <laughs> yeah, speak. Exactly. Go, sentimental coming home, so to speak. So, um, but yeah, I think it would be good. I mean, I think uh, you know, if 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 things don't work out at Newcastle, then uh, he's got to look at other options. And nothing could be better, I think, in terms of what the Tigers need than a an old head to guide the uh, the halfbacks uh, through. Uh, you know, just to mentor them. Basically, he can play that mentoring role. Absolutely. So. It'll be good. Um, shall we move on to... Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> here we go with uh, the Tackle 2, which is the NRL uh, Round 24 wrap. Yeah. 
right. So we did talk about uh, the Knights. Uh, the Knights 15 beat the Titans uh, 14. So that win secured them the spot in the finals. Uh, we had the Warriors, unfortunately, losing to Canberra 28-16, to which keeps the Canberra Raiders' hopes alive. We'll talk about that later. Mm. The Rabbitohs 54-12 to against the Roosters, uh, an absolute smashing. Uh, the Cowboys 38-26 to over the Dragons. The Sharks 24-16 over the Broncos. The Eels 22-10 over the Melbourne Storm. The Manly Warringah Seagulls 36-18 over the Bulldogs. And finally, the Panthers 30-16 to against the Tigers. Tish, I'll uh, hand over to you to tell me what was your, I guess, highlight game or, or some of the highlights of, of any of the games, really, oh, look, that you want to mention. There were some great games uh, this weekend. Obviously, Newcastle Gold Coast was exciting and close and, um, you know, some really good attack. Canberra getting the win keeps their chances alive, even though they are in ninth spot at the moment. Um, good to see the Cowboys actually winning, um, I think, breaking their, what, 10-match losing streak. Um, and of course, Cronulla beating the Broncos to to get into that eight. But I think I think to be honest, like okay, they played it on Channel Nine, you know, nineteen seventy five, whatever. This Roosters team that won nineteen straight. Well, now Melbourne have equaled it, <laughs> and now they they have Cameron Smith talking about how great the club is before, and like this like uh, you know ten twenty minute video montage, and Parramatta who everybody have written off for the season, come out. And and I think what people are getting wrong about it is that um, Parramatta played well. They played great. I still think there's improvement, though. Like, like there were some things they did, which I thought, hmm, you know, if they fix up this part and that part, that they will win the game. And they ended up winning the game without even fixing those parts. Um the one, the, the thing that I'll, I'll say that I, I just kept getting frustrated with Parramatta, but it's it's funny that they kept doing it and they got it wrong. Is that um, every kick went to um, to to Peppenhausen and to Adekar's wing, right? The two experienced players, right? <laughs> whereas whereas the other side had Isaac Lumi Lumi, um, who you know he scored a couple of tries and yeah, but it was his first game for for the Melbourne Storm the entire season. He did have a couple of, uh, you know, tries disallowed and a couple of incidences where he made a couple of little areas, but not one kick. Uh, maybe one kick. Maybe that. Maybe one kick um, <laughs> went to him, but the rest did it. And I was thinking to myself, why, why would you, you do just? That? <laughs> why would you do that? Just, just give him because um, I yeah. think Billy Slater talked it in commentary. Um, what Parramatta were doing was that they were completing sets and then they were competing. Um, they were comp- competing for plays. And completing at kick, uh, you know, competing at, at kicks, I kind of felt that they kind of could score a lot more points by going after the um, the weak link a little bit from Melbourne, because they didn't seem to do that. But yet they still won. So yeah, look, they're back. I think they are back. I mean, I know it's just one game. Um, they've got the Panthers this week, so if they could topple them too, I mean, like that puts them right right into the mix. So I, I, for me, Parramatta is definitely the story out of the weekend. Your thoughts, Dr. T? Well, I don't think it's any surprise, Tish. <laughs> That's mm. also my story of the weekend. And the reason is it was I was just shocked at how they dominated. And I was just – it was unbelievable. Um, to your point, I didn't really notice it during the game, but I think, uh, you know, about the uh, kicking to the other side and not, not the uh, novices' side. And I think – Look, 
I'd have to say, Tish, uh, you've just fallen uh, for the old Brad Arthur switcheroo, which <laughs> is, you know, whatever you think is the obvious tactic, Brad Arthur does the opposite and sometimes ends up winning. Just when you think you should be kicking and putting pressure on the young player, I think what he did was he wanted to starve him of possession in the first game. His first, you know, <laughs> yeah, and 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 job. and potentially get the the old experienced heads on the other side to uh, to have more possession than they're used to, and yeah. and tire them out. And look, look, I think uh, in all seriousness, I think the big story out of the Eels was, uh, and it was mentioned during the commentary, and I totally agree, was the absolute blinder that Junior Paulo had. I think mm. when you talk about how much we relied on him in Origin and how. When he played well, we played well, <laughs> um, and and how much we rely on him in the Eels to get that forward momentum. I know that that look across the board, there are a lot of uh, good players. You know, Blake Ferguson was back in there. I've talked about this for a while about you know how he's for some reason he's been missing, and uh, uh, we've been missing his kind of. There's something about him, and he's a risky player. He's the kind of player that rushes out of the defence when when you need him to stay in the line. But he's also the kind of player that inspires players around him. So having him there, I think, made the difference as well. And mm. if I'm not mistaken, he's also uh, he also scored a try and he was also on the side that um, that was against Adokar as well. So, I mean, I think yeah. that's the other thing is that there's something to be said about putting – filling in your – the gaps in your defense with experienced players, even if they are as risky as Blake Ferguson, I think there's something to be said about that. So, um, look, uh, yeah, to me, the Eels were the story of the round. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about whether there is an Eels revival because I, I want to sort of uh, leave that for a, a separate discussion. But mm. but to me, uh, uh, i got to say, if we're just talking about uh, the, that win against the Storm, they were red hot. I don't think anyone would have <laughs> picked them, except for me, <laughs> would have tipped them to win this game. And and the Storm, uh, I think, going into this, about to equal – were they about to equal the record or break it? Break it. Th- they were about to break it. So, you know, everything on the line, it was it would have been an absolute triumphant homecoming for the, the Storm. Mm. Um, and what I'm super happy about was that the Eels were able to spoil their party because, as you know, the storm in my mind are our our uh, our nemesis uh, after what they did to us in two thousand nine with a wow. an way over the salary cap team mm. denied us the Jared Hayne fairy tale. Um, no doubt his life has gone astray because of that moment. Uh, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know. Look, but look. As an Eels fan, that was our moment to get an absolute fairy tale on the books and to only find out months later that we were bested by a team that was over the salary cap like more than twofold mm. and in such a dodgy way, in such a systematic way. It's one of those, you know, like when you get – it's a bit like – what's it's not really the same, but a bit like buyer's remorse. Like you buy something and then you go, ooh, I regret that. You know, it was a bit like that. You kind of go – as an Eels fan, how did we get so close? And then <laughs> just our luck, we get bested by a team that should have been disqualified. Uh, it's it's like an opposite of a Bradbury, uh, Steve Bradbury moment, uh, you know. Uh, it's, so it's really unfortunate. But, yeah, look, enough of that. But I think, yeah, the Eels story of the round, 
but definitely a lot of uh, other things happening as well. But we should probably get into uh, discussing really what it's all about, which is uh, the finals, the NRL finals eve. So let's move on to tackle number three, where we're going to look at the final round of the NRL and the impact on the finals. So here we go. So as I mentioned, there are look there are two main uh, things happening. So obviously, well, with that loss, actually, it means the Storm uh, are equal to the Penrith Panthers on uh, on points. Uh, however, if you look at the the games that are coming up this weekend, uh, you know we've got the Storm are going to play the Sharks. Yep, Sharks, which Sharks is a must-win must game for them to stay in the finals. For the Sharks to stay in the fight, yeah, exactly. And then the flip side of that, if you look at the uh, Panthers, they got the Eels. <laughs> so this must-win game to get into the top four to stay to get to fourth spot for the Eels and must-win for the and if the Panthers happen to win. So here's the thing: the the Sharks and the Storm are on Friday night at six p.m. And then Friday night at 8 p.m. is the Eels and Panthers. We will find out by the oh, end right. of Friday night who are the minor premiers. Um, and that, and also, potentially, we will find out if the top eight is finalised and the top four is finalised. Uh, is, that, is that correct? Hang on. Maybe yeah, I'm jumping in. Because Canberra, Canberra is the other team that is sitting in ninth. That if they could beat the Roosters, they will, they will go through in... They might go through in eighth spot if the Sharks. Yeah, right? I'm jumping a little bit ahead because uh, even if the Eels win, uh, Manly will be playing the Cowboys the following night on Saturday to determine if they make it to the top four. They're they they've got better for and against than the Eels. So um, so here's a story: the Storm and the Panthers. There's a bit of a, a narrative there around who's going to get the minor premiership. It's still up for grabs. The Storm could still lose after what the Eels did. Uh, it is possible. I wouldn't say likely, but it's possible that the Sharks could cause an upset as well because I think, uh, I believe the Storm have Adokar injured as well, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So so for, let's start with that. Let's okay. start with that. Minor Premiership, um, what's the likelihood that the Storm are going to come through and bounce back against the Sharks? Okay, must win game for the Sharks, first off, right? Yep. Second thing in, Who's out for Melbourne, right? Adokar, Cameron Munster, Kafusi, Welsh, <laughs> Remus Smith, Tom Eisenhuth, uh, Kenny Bromwich, all out, rested for the finals, right? Wow. Right, in goes uh, Nelson Osofa Solomona, <laughs> Dale Finucan, uh George Jennings, um, Cooper Johns, uh, so you got a Johns going in there as well. Um, so Nico Hines and Jerome Hughes are going to be the higher half and five back. So they still have a very strong lineup, right? Um, but they are resting quite a number of their big big name players, right? Um, I'm just actually seeing here. Oh yeah, Brandon Brandon Smith and uh, Harry Grant are still in the team, so so that's also another. But no monster is a big loss though. The monster is the big loss there, um, and the rest of them are great players too. I mean, Kafusi is like. Australian player, right? Um, and you're going to swap him with Aaron Penne. Um, you know, great pastor, 
not too sure about the uh, <laughs> you know playing ability. Like you know, yeah, not not as good as uh, F- Fusili Kafusi. R- no. R- <laughs> Sorry, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to add a, a, a pastor reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fettuccini Tedesco. No. Now, meanwhile, Panthers. Uh, if we go over to Panthers playing the Eels, right? The ins for the Panthers are Mitch Kenny, Spencer Liu, and uh, Tyron Tyron May. Actually, says Taylon May here, so typo on NRL.com. But um, <laughs> nobody else, uh, no outs. So, in, in, in other words, they're going in with their strongest lineup against Parramatta. Um, mm. Which so is, look, the chance the, the it chances, is Taylor May, not Tyron May. That's interesting. So there's another. Yeah. Oh, okay. There you go. We've we've got it all wrong. Uh, yeah. Look, let's. So there is a chance. And look, as an Eels fan, obviously I would like the Eels to beat the Panthers to make it into that top four. But um, I'm also, like I said, I'm conscious of the fact that the Manly uh, are playing the Cowboys, who are 14th at the moment. Okay. And and it's it's likely that the the Eagles will win that one. Okay. So let's just say that the Eels there's another lose. part of there's another part of that equation, Doctor T. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know who the pa- uh, the Parramatta are resting. You know, you, you, you said something very interesting about Brad Arthur, right? Oh, God. And the old switcheroo. The switcheroo. So, so out for the for, for uh, the Eels is Clint Gutherson, uh, Marita Nicora, Junior Paulo. Oh, no. Wonga Blake and Mitchell Moses. Wow. Well, we <laughs> might end up winning then. Uh, no, no, okay. No, no. It's a uh, look... That yeah. being said, I think the I think maybe Brad Arthur has made a calculation that it's not worth fighting for that top four spot. It's yeah, enough that you... it's enough that we're there in the finals, mm. and and we we uh, and I think maybe that's a good calculation. It's the old Brad Arthur switcheroo, but look, that means I think that it's likely that more likely that the Panthers will win against the Eels than it is that the Storm will win against the Sharks. Yeah. Based on what you're telling me. And if that's the case, then we could be seeing an upset minor premiership with the Panthers uh, at the last hurdle, uh, you know, jumping over the Storm, the, the record-breaking Storm with a for and against of um, of massive... 400 plus 487 probably a record i think of all time um where the the panthers are 356 so way behind that so um if they're equal in points there's no chance the panthers obviously will get get there but if they win and panthers uh, sorry storm lose they'll get there so having said that let's move down rabbitos are a lock at third uh unlikely that they'll um you know possibly they could come second if Panthers get flogged and the and the Rabbitohs flog the Dragons. But that being said, it makes no difference that whoever's number two will be playing number three in the first week of the finals. We've talked about the number four. I think all things being said and done, I think the Eagles, the Sea Eagles have the best chance uh, of making that fourth spot. Let's not forget the Roosters. The Roosters will be playing the Raiders. Now, given, given uh, the injuries that they've had and the struggles they've had recently, I would possibly put it to put it to you that the Raiders might win that one. And if the Raiders win that one, then that puts them in eighth spot over and above um, the Sharks. And obviously they'd be uh, – and so that game is actually the first game. It's a Thursday game. So we'll, we'll find out if the Raiders are in pole position and if the Sharks the following night, Will be uh, motivated enough to to 
do a do a dodgy on the storm and uh, jump leapfrog over the Raiders to get that eighth spot. So really, it's all Raiders and Sharks at the moment. Now there is a likelihood, possibility. Let's just say that both of those teams will lose. In which case, the eighth spot will go to if they win potentially uh, uh, the Titans. You know, the Titans are in with a chance as well. They play the Warriors. Now, if they flog the Warriors, which is possible because the Warriors have nothing to play for at the moment, um, they could also leapfrog uh, – well, they could get to 22 points, equal to Sharks and Raiders, and their for and against is negative 47, whereas the Sharks is negative 24 and the Raiders is negative 73. So if we see floggings in both directions – we there is a very slim chance that Titans could end up in that eighth spot. Mm. So, um, yeah, I think uh, it all comes down to really two days of crazy football, Thursday and Friday this week. We're going to see potentially the minor premiership sorted, uh, the top eight sorted, and uh, possibly we'll, we'll mm. be in a better position to understand whether um, – well, actually, yeah, if, uh, uh, if both the Eels and the Roosters lose – uh, and uh, there really is no chance for them to defeat the Seagulls in terms of for and against because they're on equal points. So Yeah, and what I'll say we, is we, the Roosters are, I mean, their side is a bit interesting too. I mean, I know they've got a lot of injuries, but um, I feel like they're resting a couple of players too because you don't have Warrior Hargraves in the lineup and you don't have Sam Walker in there. Is it Sam Walker? Uh, yeah. yeah Sam so Walker. I think possibly maybe Trent Robinson has also determined, like Brad Arthur, that mm. it's not worth the slim chance that the Cowboys can defeat the Sea Eagles. It's not worth putting all your eggs in that basket. You're going to be – look, at the end of the day, if if it is the case that we have uh, no change in 4, 5, and 6, Manly, Eels, and Roosters, and that's potentially going to happen, then what it all boils down to is whoever is – we're going to have Roosters and Knights playing in that first finals game mm. uh, and then Eels playing whoever, and this, that's a knockout game, which will be interesting. Roosters and Knights, you know, the Mitchell Pierce Cup, uh, and then the Eels versus either the Sharks or the Raiders, most likely. Um, at this stage, it looks like it could be the Raiders, which means we'll have on the same weekend in knockout games, the Mitchell Pierce Cup and the Ricky Stewart Cup, uh, <laughs> which will be very interesting. Yeah. Um, so, and then, and obviously uh, depending on what happens in one to four, um, we're going to have whoever the minor premier is playing manly uh, and whoever number two is, will play the Rabbitohs. So look, yeah. all this boils down to two absolutely massive days of NRL football on Thursday and Friday this week. Uh, the uh, the second and third of September. So lock those dates in, everyone, wherever you are around the world, because we are going to have in those three games that mm-hmm. we've just mentioned, uh, potentially the entire top eight sorted by uh, before the end of the weekend. So um, absolutely looking forward to it. They, you know, lock lock those dates in because I think there'll be there'll be epic games as well. All the teams involved will be ha- will have everything to play for. Um, and I think you'll get a taste of finals football uh, on those two days. So looking forward to it. But uh, let's move on to tackle number four, where we talk about, uh, very briefly, the Eels revival. So here we go. All right, so we mentioned it briefly uh 
and I just thought we'd spend a couple of minutes talking about it. The Eels, uh, having won against the Storm, against the odds, mm. uh, defeating a, a record-breaking Storm outfit, uh, not looking like looking like they gave up on the season, to be honest. We talked about this last week, and, and it was a very depressed Dr. T talking mm. about how the Eels looked like they'd given up. Um, has this all turned around uh, based on this one performance? I'm still not sure. <laughs> um, the fact that they're resting, you know, two of their key players means that uh, Brad Arthur's going to try the ambush tactic going into the final. It's the old switcheroo. Um, you know, hold on to your best players and then unleash them in the finals. Uh, is that a good idea to do that after the epic performance of Junior Paulo against the Storm? Or do you want him to be match fit going into the finals? And again, I guess all of this... These thoughts are floating around in my head, but before I answer, mm. I'll let you answer. <laughs> what do you think? Do you think that Eels fans have a right to think, hey, we've come back, we're back in contention? What do you think? Well, Dr. T, I just got a question for you. Do you pity the fool that went against uh, the Eels? <laughs> <laughs> no, but look, um, yeah, yeah, it's interesting with the Eels, right? Like, um, you know, when they were flying high at the start of the year, as I said, there was a lot of uh, positive vibes around them. Everybody was saying, hey, these guys are finals contenders. These guys can challenge the Panthers, the Storm, um, you know, for, for the series and the Rabbitohs. I think I think those three have been the ones that everybody sort of, uh, you know, said as, as, as the heavyweight sort of thing, and the Eels have got a chance. But then, you know, when, when the wheels started um, coming off a little bit, they kind of uh, people sort of went against the eels quite a lot, and there was, and then you're hearing different things, and and I kind of challenged that a few weeks ago because yes, they've got the win against the Cowboys now. They're, now they're on a bit of a roll against being the Storm. It's it's great. They're the only team Melbourne Storm have not beaten for the entire season. They're, so they've beaten the Storm twice, which is uh, a confidence thing. And I think with the uh, eels, because a lot of their players, we could say. What I would say is that a lot they've got a, a lineup where if you go through them one to seventeen, you realise that the majority of them have not uh, peaked yet. You know, they're they're not they're on the way up as opposed to sort of finishing off their career. Like that that's that's where they're at as a team. So when you've got a squad like that, I think confidence plays a big part. Um, and I think this is where the the whole cycling the roster becomes important too because. You can't expect these. Te- you can't expect a team, a side like that, to be up um, to play. You know their best football. You know four to five weeks in a row. You know, um, and in the finals, you've got to. Pat- you, I mean, to win the premiership from position number six, you've got to play your best footy four weeks in a row. Um, which is, mm-hmm. you know, you've got to be close to ninety percent to, you know, overly obviously a hundred percent of your ability. You've got to be able to play to your ability. Um, consistently over 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 a month um and and that is going to be the challenge um but it looks like they started thinking about that now because they've they've conceded the fact um that they don't uh you know they don't want to play the the top four in the first round okay and and like that might be a bit weird because you don't get the second chance but you also have to look at it from this point of view you know manly are going to be in that spot right and manly are going to play Paramount, sorry, they're going to play the Storm or the Panthers, and Tommy Turbo could get injured. You know, um, you don't want that risk, right? So, so uh, in many ways, 
it, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's an interesting it's an interesting move. And the Roosters are doing the same thing as well. So it's interesting how how both these teams don't actually want to be in the top four based on on how the season's played out for them because they <laughs> kind of believe this is the best chance, right? I think that's why they're resting players. Um, if yeah. they win, they win. But if if they don't win, that they're, they're not too bothered by it. So yeah, it's interesting. And and now look, I also think about that whole like I heard somebody say, uh, like I heard a journalist say, well, the problem with Parramatta is that they have a lot of good players, they don't have any great players, so they don't have any player in any position that is the top player for their position. You know, if you look at Mitchell Pearce, there are a few halfbacks in front of him. If you look at, um, you know, Dylan Brown, there's some five-ace in front of him. You look at Wonga Blake. Mitchell, are... Mitchell Moses, you mean, not Mitchell Oh, yeah, Moses. Mitchell Moses. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you look at the centres, uh, you know, Blake Ferguson, you've got, you know, wingers in front of him. Uh, Wonga Blake, you've got centres in front of him. But you know what? Junior Paulo, who's in front mm. of him? <laughs> right, I don't think anybody like you know. At Origin, the moment, there, there wouldn't be too many at the moment. No, there wouldn't be agree. too many, and and, and mm. I think I think this is where sometimes you've got to um, you've got to remember that a lot of these opinions, a, a lot of these uh, I suppose statements that are out there by media people and former players and all that, they're all fine and everybody's entitled to their opinion, but it is an opinion, right? Um, looking at the team, the team itself can beat Melbourne. Um, and can do it by making mistakes too, by the way. Um, so, so, so you know, a, a good a, a champion team will always, you know, beat a, a team of champions. So I think it's I think it's got to more come down to how well they want to play for each other. Um, and I think with a team like Parramatta, who've been scrutinised so heavily, um, and they seem to all get along, um, I think I think they do have a shot. So um, I'm pretty. Look, as a non-EEL supporter, I'm pretty hopeful. I think I've uh, had too much of a say here. i have got to hand it to you there, Dr. T. Look, I think, uh, thanks, Tish. I think uh, when I look at the the old Brad Arthur switcheroo, I'm kind of, <laughs> I've been facetious and uh, cheeky in saying that, but at the same time, I think there's potentially a, a serious uh, seriousness to that comment. And I think Brad Arthur, you know, I've been talking about this for a while that you can't keep, in fact, I believe I said this only a few weeks ago, Brad Arthur can't keep doing the same things over and over again and expect different results. You can't, you know, uh, I did sort of say that there have been some theories around what happens with Parramatta and how we get, we always get knocked down in straight sets. A lot of it has to do with people saying that maybe Brad Arthur doesn't have the tactical kind of nous to keep, uh, keep, teams uh, guessing in terms of our generally one-dimensional attack towards the end of the season. Um, and I'm interested in this this uh, resting of players in this final game. Looks like it's giving up. <laughs> Looks like it's uh, he's resigned himself to the fact that he's not going to bother trying to get that top four spot. Um but in many ways, I think it's him actually trying something different. And and his comments uh, are telling. So I'm just going to give you a bit of a quote where he did say he planned to rest seven or eight players, including Gutho. He said, a lot of our boys... So listen to this, Tish, and this will tell you what I think about this Eels revival. A lot of our boys have played every game. And in the last couple of years, we've had a bit of momentum going into finals and it hasn't really made a difference. Mm. End quote. That, to me, is the quote that tells you that the Eels are in for a bit of a revival. And the wow. reason for that is if if we had seen Brad uh, Arthur doing the same thing over and over again, I would have been very confident 
that you know that the Eels were sitting ducks in that first game in the finals. But given his comment, he's playing a bit of strategy here. He's trying to think we need to change things up from what we've done in the past. These couple of years in particular have been very tough. A lot of these players have played every single game. We need to give them the rest that they need so they can come out firing in the finals. Now, the question mark I have is why do you do that straight after you've defeated the <laughs> likely minor premiers and broken in a major upset? <laughs> do you not want them to be match fit going into the finals? Do you not want but I can see possibly that that having a rest after you've had a win like that could actually motivate some of the players to work harder on recovery, injury recovery, work harder tactically in training. It gives those senior players a chance to have a bit of a rest and have a bit of a think about how they're going to approach that first game in the finals. Uh, and if you then start the momentum from there, remembering you win that first game, you'll then be playing uh, the loser of one of the top four teams in the second game. Now, if that's Manly, or potentially if that's the Storm, uh, you've got, you know, uh, again, as you said, the Storm, the only team that they have not beaten this year is the Eels. And and that, to me, is also a good sign that you can go into the, the, the finals confident as an Eels team that you have the wood on the Storm this year. And uh, hopefully you can avoid them depending on how the chips fall in terms of the the positioning and and the structure of the finals. But I would say that that comment from uh, Brad Arthur and the fact that he's resting players, to me, gives me the best sign that the Eels are going to be different this year and they're really thinking carefully about how they perform during the finals and are willing to sacrifice the last game of the season and a top four spot, potential top four spot, so that they could, um, uh, you know, give it their best shot in a knockout game in the first week of the finals. Um, so I, I personally think that the Eels will go deep into the finals. I think with Souths losing Natrell, with uh, Manly, uh, you know, so reliant on Tommy Turbo and no, not many teams being able to get the wood on them, uh, with... Penrith, you know, although they're at full strength at the moment, they're still kind of winding up with Cleary only coming back recently. And with the Storm eminently beatable by the Eels, I think you're in, you're, you'll be in for a shock. I think the Eels have some uh, positives in, in that checklist of things that you want in going into the finals. Um, Obviously, a fit junior Paulo is better than an unfit junior Paulo. So I'm all for the resting of players like junior Paulo. So I think, yeah, in over, overview, summary uh, of my position, I think the Eels, this could potentially be the turning point. And I like the tactic of the old Brad, Brad Arthur switcheroo. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, any last thoughts? Yeah, well, look, you know, some people say that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting the same result. Uh, that's not Different the definition result, yeah. of insa- insanity. That's actually the definition of the scientific method. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, as, as pointed out by a debate that I saw about uh, sciences versus, uh, you know, flat earth theorists. Uh, 
Okay. <laughs> right. right. So, um, yeah, and, and the truth is, like, uh, that's also the definition of practice, right? So, um, uh, like, so, yeah, so so the thing is, like, I think, I think yeah, let, let's let's go into this season differently. And, hey, if we get a different result out of it, 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 it does show that the, you know, what we thought we needed to have in our checklist of stuff to be ready for the finals is not what we actually needed. What we did need is we needed our best players to be rested up and ready to go first week of the finals, second week of the finals and so forth. And I think players like Junior Paul and so forth, I know we're sort of picking on him a little bit, um, but, you know, it is, you know, he's he's got a really tough game that he plays, right? So it's really hard to play that game consistently week after week. I mean, um, you're probably bruised the the previous week from, you know, he's probably still bruised from, from his performance, you know? So, um Yep. So yeah, just give it that extra needs a recovery time. time. Yeah, needs absolutely. a recovery time, and you got to remember, like once they get into the finals, there is no time for recovery. Um, so get it in now, so that you could you you're you're ready to go and got your your tank, you know, full full steam sort of thing for the next few weeks. So um, yeah, look, yep. uh, it, the finals around the corner. It's 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 great to great to fo- almost be there. All right, and before we get to the tips, here we are with tackle number five. Uh, bit of a TV spot, bit of TV news here. Here we go. All right, so South Sydney. Uh, there's a documentary on SBS uh, NITV, which is uh, the pride of the league. So, what do you know about this? Is this something that have you? Is this a repeat? Has this been on before or? Uh, I'm not too one. sure because I, I did see the ad for it for NITV. And look, at the moment, there is a very successful uh, documentary on the West Tigers um, that follow, <laughs> follows in their week-to-week, you know, I think it's Tales from Tiger Town on Fox Sports, um, which has been quite quite popular for them. Um, I haven't watched it because it's it's frustrating watching it, um, <laughs> as the Tigers put it. Oh my but, goodness! But but, but I, I, I did I did check this on NITV. I did see for the outer first. So I, I looked it up, and it is a series that I think started last week. I don't know if it's a repeat, but it's on until um, May of 2024. So I think it is actually its first running. But it's actually a documentary series on South Sydney. Um, it's called the South Sydney Story. Episode one is called Pride of the League, where they go through the. Uh, I think this is the one where they go through um, the Peter Holmes Court, Russell Crowe. Um, sort of saving of the club. There oh, yeah, is yeah. also an alternate um, thing about it because it, uh, I did see the ad. They talked. They talked to several people who actually felt that they could actually run the club without the, these two as well. Um, so I think there's going to be some some really interesting different points of view that we've never really heard before, which will be positive. Um, yeah, so I'm probably going to watch this. I might I might give uh, when you know as we get sort of. As the weeks go by and there's more and more episodes released, we might actually um, review some of the episodes maybe down the track, Dr. Teeth, um, if, 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 uh, if you want. But yeah, I, think, absolutely. I, I think uh, I think the interesting thing is um, it is going to be run on NITV, which is uh, an Indigenous-focused, uh, um, you know, uh, television station here in Australia. And I think it's really important because I think the South City story and just how they uh, interact with their community um, uh, you know, particularly around Redfern and so forth. I think it's really important that people, um, I think that shed some light on that because they are very important to, um, you know, Indigenous culture. And I think South Sydney is probably the club that most Indigenous players want to play for. 
Um, I mean, that might be a, a big statement because maybe Brisbane's got that vibe as well, I feel, like, you know, like with a bit of a legacy around there. And, and there are other clubs that have that vibe, so maybe not so. But I think traditionally, um, you know, some of the, you know, a lot of players that were overlooked in other clubs were, you know, in the past they will look like South City did take them on board and a lot of them are, you know, were fantastic Indigenous players. So um, I'm so glad that it's actually on in ITV. So, it, yeah, look, I'm looking forward to it, Dr. T. Any, any thoughts from your end? Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to seeing it as well. I think uh, um, not sure I know much about it and, and how long it goes for whatever, but I think it will be uh, – I agree. I think the, the link to the Indigenous community is very critical here and I think it's fitting that it's on that channel and the NITV channel. I think, yeah, it would be good to see uh, revisit some of what happened. You know, often we look back at – we've talked in, in the past about, you know, the, the old days of the Super League War and all these things. Sometimes it's good to sort of watch these documentaries and look back at what actually happened and refresh our memories in terms of what, what really happened as opposed to what we remember happened, yeah. um, which which is often incorrect. So, you know, I do remember at the time that when this – they were in a dire situation and when Russell Crowe and Peter Holmes of Court came in, uh, there was a lot of backlash, but there was also a very strong contingent of people and fans who were very supportive of this move. Um, they knew that you know it was it was a risky move in terms of the way uh, ownership of clubs was structured, and uh, to rely on a rich uh, rich owner to come and save the day. But I think uh, there were, like I said, there were plenty that were very supportive of this, and I think look. If you look at the fruits of that labour, um, you know, South Sydney are now, I think it's fair to say, probably the biggest, uh, richest rugby league club in Australia in terms of, um, you know, membership and income and all that sort of stuff, probably uh, equal to the Broncos or I think recently they would have overtaken them. So over over that period of time, uh, a decade or so, it's they've, uh, they've kind of gone from strength to strength. They won the premiership in 2014. They've been close a couple of times since then, unlucky, uh, but also, you know, it would be really good to find out more about it and, and sort of delve into it and, and remember what it was like back then uh, in, in, a, in a more structured way. So, yeah, very much recommend it to everyone to watch that. And yeah. we'll, um, in future, I think we will kind of review and provide our thoughts yeah. on some of these uh, episodes as well. That would be a good idea. And as you've actually correct, it, it is a rerun. <laughs> Yeah, no, I know, but yeah, 2013. But it's it's on now, which is great because it's probably more relevant now than what it was then. Uh, I'm not against, I'm not against rerun. Yeah, I'm not against reruns, Tish. I do often uh, sit down and watch the uh, grand finals of the 80s when the Eels were actually <laughs> <laughs> competitive. <laughs> so I'm not against reruns. Let me say that. No, absolutely mm. not. All right, final tackle. Here we go with the tips for the final round of the NRL season proper. Here we go. Round 25 tips. Last week, uh, I got six out of eight and you got five out of eight. No doubt the Eels and Storm was the clincher there for me. (laughs) 122-114 is where you are. So you still got a chance, I think, with the finals. There's probably still enough games for you to catch up. But here we Mm. go. Final round. Raiders versus Roosters. We've spoken about this before, but let's get our final, final tips. I'm tipping the Raiders. I'm tipping the Raiders too. Sharks v Storm. Look. I'm going to tip the Storm. You're going to tip the Storm? I'm going to tip the Sharks. 
which means possibly, if I'm not mistaken, uh, let me just double check. Does that mean that that I'm tipping the Sharks to sneak into the top eight? I think you well, are clinch the top eight spot. The points, the points tell me that the points difference tell me that the Sharks are. Uh, look, let's see. I could be wrong. Uh, I think that it's uh, the Sharks are looking like they've got more to play for and the Storm have uh, some people out. So, yeah, let's see what happens. Eels versus Panthers. Um, look, I'm going to tip the Eels <laughs> just because I, I like to keep things interesting. Uh, in all likelihood, the Panthers will win this one, which I'm guessing Yeah, yeah I'm going to go for the Panthers. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. Um, I'm tipping Eels just because more out of hope than anything, and I'll be honest about that. Broncos versus Knights. I think the Knights will win this one. I'm going to tip the Broncos. Because I think the Knights uh, are more focused on next week than this week. Absolutely. Cowboys versus Manly. Look, if the Eels win against the Panthers, I would hope the Cowboys receive a phone call from Brad Arthur saying, please, please, please defeat the Sea Eagles. And I think they will. I think the Cowboys, I just, something tells me, I'm tipping three upsets here. <laughs> It's a risky yeah. move for me. Uh, I think the Cowboys will win this one. Look, I'm going to tip uh, Manly. I don't think Des Hasler knows the definition of resting players uh, because he doesn't know how to rest as well, right? He's a 24-7 machine there, Des. So, right. um, so, so, so I don't think they're resting anybody. And I think they're going to – it looks like their lineup's actually like <laughs> – yeah, it's like their full lineup there. So, um Oh, yeah, they're so going in it to win it, of course. Yeah. In it to win it against the Cowboys, right? So risking injury on, on everybody. So um, yeah, let's 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 tip them. Yeah, and look, part of the reason why I'm saying this is the Bulldogs actually were beating the Seagulls uh, and were within striking distance of them, and it was only mm. in the second half that the Seagulls actually uh, ran away with it. So I think. There's a lot that the Cowboys can take away from that if they really do care about defeating the Seagulls. So it is yeah. about pride. So it remains to be seen what, what they do there. And I think he's threatening because I think the issue is I think Manly players are complaining that he's talking about footy too much. Um, so they don't want to play cards with him and stuff like this. So maybe that's his tactic of like threatening them with more footy talk if they lose, you know. That's right. All right. Uh, Rabbitohs, Dragons. I think the Rabbitohs will win this one. Yeah, I think the Rabbitohs for mine. Titans versus Warriors, and I think, look, last-ditch effort, but I think uh, even if the Titans have no chance of making it into the top eight by by the time they get to their game on Sunday, I think they'll still beat the Warriors. I think the Warriors are, are mentally checked out in terms of uh, wanting to get back to their lives. So Titans for mine. Yeah, I could see the uh, I could see the you know the bags for New Zealand in the dressing room, right? <laughs> so I'm going to tip the tip the uh, Titans in this one. And finally, Tigers versus Bulldogs. Uh, look, Tigers for mine. I'm guessing Tigers for you as well. Yeah, or Tigers are we skin an upset? Uh, look, Tigers for mine. Um, what a game to round off the end of the season. <laughs> nothing in it for anybody, but look, I think the Tigers, um, yeah, let's hope they could get a victory and, and equal the same amount of, well, it'd still be one less wins from last year. So, uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, their coveted ninth spot is out of reach, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, well, there you go. Look, that ends the podcast for today. Thank you very much, Tish. It's been a big one, uh, but we've certainly ramping up closer to the finals. So, 
I'll see you next week. And look, if you're out there looking for a couple of good games to watch this weekend, stick to the Thursday and Friday games. Most likely the most uh, you know intense games that you'll see. Every team has a lot to play for. So looking forward to those three games on Thursday and Friday this week. Uh, over to you, Tish, to wrap this one up. Well, thank you, Dr. T, and I'd like to thank everybody for listening. But that's all the time we have for this edition of the Rugby League Republic. We're your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.